Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. There's an underdog story happening today in America. Small businesses are fighting to make a comeback, but in the moment they have the least, they're giving the most. They're rallying communities and neighborhoods, yet asking for little in return. Well, it's time we gave back. Small Unites is making it simple for everyone to take action and support the small businesses that unite us all. Find out how you can donate, shop, and share today at smallunites.org. It's movie talk time, and we're digging into more Star Wars 9 spoilers. On top of that, Dr. Doolittle, that movie with Robert Downey Jr. in it, it's having some problems. And then we are talking about Avengers Endgame spoilers. We are not sharing a single spoiler with you right now because that's not what we do on this show, and that's not what human beings should do before movies come out. So you might notice that today's live chat, chat is off, and that's because, you know, you can't have nice things if you don't know how to use them appropriately. So sorry for all the kind viewers out there who are not sharing Endgame spoilers. That chat will not go back on until that stops. We are keeping all the secrets locked up right here, and I'm doing so with Koi, who you guys know all pretty well. And then on top of that, we have a very special guest today, Chabby Koei. Welcome. Hello. I feel like we've discussed this for a little while, where you need to come visit Collider, and yes. the time has finally come. It's very nerve-wracking, but yes, <laughs> I will be here. Don't be nervous. The live chat's off. No one can judge you right now. Only later after the episode goes up. All right. We are jumping right into it with a hot story because we're going to talk a little more about the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker trailer and specifically a certain theory that's popped up. I know we've talked nonstop since The Force Awakens came out about who Rey's parents are. And yes, The Last Jedi did give us a little bit of an answer, but I found a really great piece written by Peter Scaretta, who was on Movie Talk recently over on Slash Film, and he posed a theory regarding Ray's parents and I thought we would discuss it a little further here so during a recent interview with ABC News, J.J. Abrams was asked if we're going to find out who Ray's parents are in The Rise of Skywalker, and here's what he told that outlet. I will say that we knew going into this, that this movie, it had to be a satisfying conclusion, and we were well aware that that's one of the things that's been out there. I don't want to say that what happens in Episode 8 didn't happen. We have honored that, but I will say that there's more to the story than you've seen, so... In Peter's article, he goes a little deeper down the rabbit hole, and he found a Twitter user who points out that a specific shot in the Rise of Skywalker trailer is actually showing a ship that could be the exact same ship that Rey sees in her vision in Force Awakens when little Rey is being left by who we presume to be her parents. So if the two ships are the same, what could that mean? I don't know. I don't know. Again, my head is spinning out of control. Koi, what do you make of these little ideas that Peter put out there? And has any of this changed your theory on who Ray's parents might really be? I 
don't want a bloodline thing with Jedis. I don't think it's fair that only in a certain... It's like being a king and only your son can be the next king. I don't feel like that's a fair thing to do for a movie. Isn't isn't the point of these movies about like taking control of your destiny and, and about like shaping your own? So if you're predetermined something, I just don't want her parents to be anyone important. I, I Honestly, I love the thing in The Last Jedi and I am prepared for you, Internet. It's, it, I, I'm talking positively about The Last Jedi here. I think it was great that they made her an actual underdog. They made her someone that earned her skill and you can be anyone can be a Jedi I love that message like anyone can wear the mask I like that the kid at the end of The Last Jedi like summoned the thing and I, I just want that to be the magic of Star Wars and I really hope that it's not another story where it ties itself up with a nice little bow and she was fated for something I don't want her parents to be anyone important because then you lose all mystery and and it, it kind of gives the wrong message to kids like it, you're not the sum of your parents like you can be anything grow beyond your parents be bigger better bolder i just I, i'm afraid because especially since it's tying to the force awakens that it's going to be jj a movie ignored jj <laughs> i'm hopeful that's not going to like be that. the case no, I, I was actually i was actually thinking about this because a long time ago i played this improv game with my my girlfriend and she's like hey you write a story then I'll continue the story, and then you continue my story. I'm like, cool. And when I got it back, I'm like, no, I don't like what you did. I'm going to take it back <laughs> towards my story. And I feel like that's what's happening here. I want to piggyback on what you said. I like the idea of getting away from the Skywalker bloodline. That was my same issue with Terminator. It's like we keep following the same people over and over again. How about we explore? It's a rich universe. There's yeah. so much to explore here. Let's see something else. So, And I feel like there's no satisfying conclusion that the movie can give us, no matter really? who his parents are. Oh, like, wow. If it's, if it's Luke, if it's whoever... Like, who, who, who would you really be satisfied by? So, I don't necessarily know if everybody in the world, every Star Wars fan, can have a satisfying conclusion. Because if I've learned anything from being on the internet often, it's that <laughs> there are many opinions out there. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. What I do think that they are going to wind up doing with Ray's parents is not necessarily leaving it at what Kylo said to Ray in the last movie. Which is that her parents are filthy junk traders who sold you off for drinking money. They're dead in a pauper's grave in the Jakku Desert. I think he was lying. I think he was trying to manipulate her. It's something Peter had in his article as well. I think that's the case there. I do think there is something very beautiful in the idea of her being a nobody and her being able to shape her own destiny, but I just get this feeling that what J.J. might have done here is found a combination of that, but also tying in, not necessarily the Skywalker bloodline, but what the Skywalkers stand for, where what's said at the very beginning of the trailer, Everything that's in her that she's learned from the generations that have come before is going to form some sort of new, you know, uh, a new Jedi order with Skywalker at its core, with those pillars at its core. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I'm leaning towards more so any more so than anything at this point. I digress just a little yes. bit. You said that you feel like she earned it. Yeah, I disagree with that. Okay. I want to know why you think she earned it because it's to me she just like got the power sort of met, like you watched Luke earn it, even mm -hmm. though it's in his bloodline. Like you watched him go through the process of becoming a Jedi, but by the end of Force Awakens, she was, like, wielding the Force and able to battle Kylo Ren. You know? I, I definitely think there are issues with how powerful she gets how quickly, and, and those are issues, but I think that 
it's a message that kids need to see that you can have abilities that you're not born with. Gotcha. And so earning it more in the, in the broader sense of she earns these things instead of just being born with them. So right. whether or not I agree with her going Super Saiyan in one episode <laughs> is a different story. <laughs> right. But the right. fact that she goes from zero to 60 isn't the problem. It's the fact that she can only go from zero to zero if she doesn't have a bloodline or 60 to 60 if she doesn't have the bloodline. Right. Like that's, that's my issue. So earning it however, however she does, I just think that it should be something that we aspire to greatness, not we're born great. Right. And I also I worry that The Last Jedi did so much about like the movie was about destroying your idols so you could be better and the movie was about not believing in every story you've ever heard and all these things that are very important especially for internet culture and then they have the emperor laugh at the end of the trailer like they're like we left all this behind but what if everything is back it's like we get it i love nostalgia stranger things is the shit but why can't we grow and like i'm i this is just me dying on the internet goodbye all my followers i like i like everything you're saying you could have the best of both worlds i think you can grow but you can also learn from the past because that's also a concept that the last jedi wrestled with you've got one character who's like get rid of the past burn it and then you have someone else saying we need to learn from our mistakes before and grow from them and i think there's some sort of beautiful mix that could happen here bringing up the emperor's laugh at the end that is another theory that slash film did entertain and i see circulating the internet as it has been for a while now actually that she could possibly be in that bloodline as well and if we're not talking about about blood, maybe even her being some sort of creation of the emperor. Do you guys have any take on that? No, but I, I mean, the idea of her parents being junk, junkies or whatever it is, like, it's possible that they were just used mm-hmm. and she is related, but like, they were junkies, but really they were just, you know, people who were standing in for someone else. Junk right. traders. Junk traders. <laughs> Junk spotting. Junk something. Two different things here. Ewan <laughs> McGregor. <laughs> That's why he's in the yeah, franchise. All together. <laughs> exactly. No, but like, they could have been paid off. You know, like Breaking Bad when... Uh, <laughs> You know, you had a Walter White hiring those guys in the oh, bushes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you just just hire someone just to be pose as her parents to put her there. You know, so then oh, like Game of Thrones is a better example. Uh, the King's Son. You it's know. like in the '90s when Spider-Man, his parents the whole time like died, and then his aunt and uncle took him in, and the uncle like it was great power, great responsibility. And then at some point they were like, "But his parents were actually Shield agents," and I was right. like, "Why? Right. <laughs> parents be Shield? Like it's giving plot to something that doesn't necessarily need it." And yeah. I also, I, I really. Uh, I'm excited for this because I trust J.J. Abrams so completely. So all the negatives I said about nostalgia being what they're resting on, I completely think if anyone can shape a story that does appeal to both, like learning from your history but also having a new future, it's J.J. That man made Mitch Impossible 3. He made the entire... Like, what worlds he builds are incredible, so I believe in him, and if anyone can do it, it's him. And I don't think he'll be selfish enough to completely ignore 8. I just worry that the trailer was going, look at us! Yeah. Well, if, if she is related to the Skywalkers, it goes in line with how the Force Awakens was basically pulling from the original trilogy, doing the same thing over again. So them being related, just like Luke and Leia were related, it's following that path again. Have you guys ever seen uh, J.J. Abrams talk on the mystery box? Him talking about a that? little bit, yes. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. Where he basically talks about his way of crafting films, and like there's this box that someone gave him, like a magician, but he's never looked inside of it. Yeah, and yeah. that basically informs how he tells his stories, and it's frustrating and cool at the same time because I don't know that he actually had an answer at the beginning of making The Force Awakens. Like, I think that it was this idea, like, how cool would it be if we don't know who her, her parents are? Yeah, that's a question that we pose, but he didn't actually have an answer himself. What's the cat theory? The 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 cat is either in the box or it isn't. It's alive or it's dead. 
there's a there's Schrodinger's. A, yeah, so it's Schrodinger yeah. Star Wars. I, I I'm okay with Schrodinger Star Wars. Like I'm totally cool with that. And I I really think that we're in an opportunity to experience a movie that we don't know what's happening. It's coming out this year. It's just like an Endgame where we don't know what's happening. That's out next week. That's why we muted the live chat. Uh, but I think that what's really important is the fact that we're this excited about it without mm-hmm. it seeing. And to be totally fair, the trailer for Star Wars blew me away. Just the trailer, that two minutes, I was happy. I was giddy. I was running around my house. I was a kid again. Just those sound cues and the feeling and that 20-second slow. I loved that there was a slow burn trailer. Give us 20 seconds of just panting and growing to something. And then once it took off, it went, went, went. Like, I am infinitely more excited for this movie now than I was when it was just another Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. But I really am afraid that because of the toxicity around 8, they're going to have to retcon things that they wouldn't have otherwise. Right. The internet might have ruined an opportunity to be bolder. I've seen theories about that where basically Kathleen Kennedy uh, let him run wild with episode 8 mm-hmm. and now they're coming in and doing corrections on everything. Yeah. To just like undo all that. But that was a cool experiment now we're going to undo it all that. It doesn't have to be corrections though. It's like the idea with uh, the Emperor stepping back into the equation right now. It's like, what if we get the Emperor in episode 9 and then that completely reshapes how you look at Snoke in episode 8. It's like, that's the kind of changes in, you know, I don't even want to use the word retcon, because I don't think JJ's going to go about it in a way that says, like, all that that you saw before, it's going in the trash. I think he's just going to add a new layer to the story that makes you look at what happened in that film in a new way. Right. But if nobody dies, what are the stakes? Like, Emperor dying in the original Star Wars was such a beautiful, you know, moment, because it was the end of something. It was something so powerful. If we if we just bring a character back that was assumed dead, it's like, well, we don't, Darth Maul well, we, don't back know, we don't know exactly how they're going to bring him back. I mean, could you imagine if maybe it's not him coming back in the flesh, but it's more his influence mm. and it's more like him being carried on through something else that isn't necessarily like flesh and bones. Casper Force Ghost. Also, because if you've read some of the books, too, it's like the, the emperor has planted seeds for life beyond death for mm. himself and for the and for uh, the uh, for the empire. Yeah. As we see when uh, the First Order kicks off. So he he had his claws dug in in a way where his legacy could continue no matter what happened to him. Yeah. Did you guys ever read the the original stories that Lucas sort of wrote for episodes 7, 8, and 9 at all? I don't believe so. Kathleen Kennedy said when the trailer premiered that George Lucas came in Mm -hmm. and helped reshaping this final story. Do you guys know how much he's done at all? I heard it was was very integral to their opinion. Like, they valued his opinion a lot, and I know he he was on the Game of Thrones set, so I assume he was a part of the, you know, talking to Benoit and and all that jazz. So I I think he's more integral to where we go from here, or at least his opinion matters enough they're, like, you know, encouraging that. But he's been around more in the last year than we saw him in, like, the three prior. I think that that, um, Luke, not Luke, Leia and Han's kids were obviously a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always been there from the beginning, and the Emperor being revived was part of his original story, I think, if I remember. Mm. I mean, this was like yeah, I 15 years that ago more. that I heard this story, but the Emperor never really died, or he, he's mm. brought back somehow, is a thing. So. Yeah, well, if you dig deeper into canon, there's so many little things mm-hmm. that they drop that, you know, basically give him avenues to return, I, I think, in a logical manner. I know a lot of people out there might not agree but it seems like there are certain vehicles to get him back in the film franchise. All right, moving on to story number two. Now we are going into Disney plus Marvel land because we've got more quotes from Kevin Feige on how the new Disney plus shows are going to connect to the MCU. So as we have known, Feige is going to oversee these upcoming TV series that are set to air on Disney plus. And while he was speaking to variety for this really long profile that you should read, if you have the chance, he confirmed, 
confirmed that these shows aren't going to be largely separate entities like what we saw happen with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Here are the two quotes that he gave them. Some of these films, talking about the future films in the franchise, will feature characters that you already know. Some supporting characters will assume leading roles, while some new characters will be introduced. The reward for all of these films working is that we get to try to do it again and do it differently and learn from our mistakes and try something we haven't tried before. This next quote is important here. These episodes, as far as the uh, Disney Plus shows go, will intersect with the movies in a very big way. It's a totally new form of storytelling that we get to play with and explore. Coy, we've discussed this quite a bit, the two of us. Do these quotes and what we know about Endgame at this point, does it change what you think these uh, these Disney Plus shows are going to mean for the MCU at all? Kevin Feige's a comic book guy. He knows the world very well. He is invested in comic book people. I think the movies are going to become our mainstream issues, our amazing Spider-Mans, our uncanny X-Men's, our, you know, our, our linear past year subscriber. Mm-hmm. I think the TV shows are going to become our miniseries. They're going to become your Age of X-Men's. They're going to become your side-off little tales. And then those things intersect all the time in movies and in the comic books. So you're going to have events happening here that are important for here. Like we could have now if Civil War is to be made, you could have the entire buildup of us losing Hartford, Connecticut and that explosion happening in a miniseries the ramifications of which are felt in the movie. So instead of just a nod like an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. you can have a full-blown comic book miniseries on TV because society's ready. Let's get into your theory right now. But can, can we do like a little two-shot here? Okay, <laughs> you tell your theory and then I'm going to tell you when I'm like, no, too far, pull it back. <laughs> My theory about the end of Endgame is that everyone that died at Infinity War did in fact die, and that the new universe we experience in Phase 4 and Beyond is a different dimension a la Ultimate Spider-Man versus regular Spider-Man, Ultimates versus Avengers. I think they go through the microverse, through Ant-Man's world, the quantum realm, and when they come out the other side is an entirely new MCU, Mm -hmm. and I think that's how we get Shang-Chi, how we might get the X-Men down the road, how we get all these TV shows. I think Hawkeye in the Hawkeye show is a different Hawkeye than the Ronin we no. get in game. So, okay, so this is this is where I pull back a little because it was something you said earlier before we even started shooting the show is like this idea of we're going to get, let's say, I don't know, a Cap or a Tony or whoever and they're just a different version of that individual. I think these are all the same individuals that almost like the universe was kind of torn in two okay. where the Tom Holland that we're going to see in Far From Home is the same Spider-Man Tom Holland that we saw in the first film. He's just in a different line, a different different uh, timeline right now and all the Disney Plus shows are going to be on the other timeline. So, so I think, think I think original... these are still the same individuals but I think it is like the galaxy's population split in two. So the the TV show is going to be the the original MCU we live in now. So universe yes. 19999 whatever they call it. Okay, and then the... I haven't committed to which one's going to be which. Got it. But I do think one or the other is going to be just that. So you think when they got dusted, they started a new timeline? Yes. And I think they, they are those characters died. And no. that we didn't, need didn't the Russo brothers say that they died? Uh, they did. They they like said it's a lot of people like, have said a lot of things <laughs> and then backtracked on them. I think Spider Man. They Holmes, backtracked. Not they yet. have a history of backtracking. Well, they have a history of putting things in the marketing campaign that will, you know, <laughs> make you assume one thing is gonna happen and then something else happens. I think right. Spider Man Homecoming Spider Man and Spider Man Far From Home Spider Man are technically different characters. Mm-hmm. I think that technically the characters that we saw dust stay dusted. I think yeah. that is 
way too much of a leap for the broad movie-going public. Before Spider-Verse, I would have agreed with you. But Spider-Verse introduced quantum theory in a kid's movie in 90 minutes. But it still keeps Miles Morales as an anchor in that movie. Sure, like, you sure, get sure. so many different dimensions, but, like, you're not looking at, like, one individual with the understanding that there's, like, a carbon copy of that other individual who essentially at their core is a completely different person. Right, but, I mean, quantum theory is so accepted in pop culture now, I think it's possible to digest. Like, I think that where we've come with comic books, you can believe that bearded cap and shaved cap might be two different caps. I feel like I should want what you're saying to happen, because that means when the movie comes out, we'll have more explainer videos to do, I mean, there's going to be good. so... No matter what, we're going to have to have explainer videos. Like, this movie's going to be so dense, period. I feel like I feel like them actually dying is better, because otherwise it kind of undermines that climax of Avengers. It's like them dying. It's like everyone's thought was like, well, whatever. They're just going to come back. Not a big deal. But if they actually died, if they actually perished, then it that, then it stays. That emotional climax is... It's, it gives all the Bill Mars of the world credibility if they come back. And I don't want Bill Mars to have any more credibility. I don't want people that think comic movies are for kids to have any place to stand. I want them to stay dead so that way everyone's like, oh, these are for kids. I'm like, no, no, bro, they died. See, like, they, can still, they can still keep those stakes without them necessarily perishing. I mean, even just the idea of them creating this ensemble that has these really important important relationships that we believe in together mm-hmm. if you rip characters apart there's your emotional value without actually you know That's killing true. half the group but when they murked ultimate spider-man like he got shot he got maimed he got massacred and then miles morales was important because peter was dead that sounds like a really disney dead. friendly approach to that <laughs> but it would show a certain level of gravitas we've like it's been 11 years since these movies started right so kids that were seven or 18 now like mm-hmm. I, I you know i was i was 19 when the first one came out so i would love if they trust the audience to be like and now you're done Darlings are dead. Oh, boy. <laughs> like, uh, you'd feel it. I mean, Days of Future Past was kind of revamping everything yeah. with, you know, the same characters, but in another alternate timeline kind of thing. They already introduced that concept with Into the Spider-Verse. Right. So it's established. This is a thing that they do. I'm a little bit confused as to how your idea differs from his, though. Is that it's just the, a different the individual? Yeah, you're, you're saying that... All right, just for the sake of clarity right now, let's say the ones who aren't dusted are in one timeline. Mm -hmm. The ones who are dusted... They're dead. Yeah. Like, they're completely dead and removed mm-hmm. from the equation, and a new version of them, like a completely different version of that character who isn't the individual we have known before, exists in this timeline. My theory is the same in that there's two timelines running parallel to one another, but that those people aren't dead. They're still the same characters at, as we knew them in those previous MCU films existing in the timeline. But what if Spider-Man left this timeline went to another one? Would there be two Spider-Mans? Like, what would, how is that timeline Spider-Man-less? Like, how, how would Tom Holland get to a new timeline where and he didn't already exist. I think that's what uh, what the snap might have done, like without Thanos knowing it, so it is that it, it, it like ripped open something in the space time continuum. So another Spider-Man died. Not take... another one. So how, where where did he? Yeah, land? you have to. You I'm have to isolating. Replace I'm isolating it to the MCU as we know it. Okay. Like, in the real world MCU, let's just call it that for now. They carry on as though, oh, Peter Parker has passed away. He is long gone, but he exists somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But I think that with WandaVision, Hawkeye, and Loki and all those shows we get, I think it'd be more interesting to explore a world Okay, I see where ours. we're getting our wires crossed here. Mm-hmm. I see where we're getting our wires crossed here. I think my point is that the, char- the new character that we get in this new timeline is just not going to feel like a completely different person. Right. It obviously has to be a different person because there's another reality existing in another timeline. But I don't think that what we see in, in, uh, in uh, Far From Home is 
is going to feel like a different Peter Parker than we knew in the first Spider-Man. Yeah, Homecoming I don't think he'll have movie. like a thicker Brooklyn yes, accent or yes, anything. Exactly. <laughs> or, or even just who he is to his yeah. core, the way he behaves. I think it is going to seem like Tom Holland is playing the exact same character, just in a slightly different environment. I agree. Okay, it's, yeah, yeah. it's interesting. So we we're kind of getting well, yeah, the same well, thing. We're on the same page. I, that's what, that's why there. I was confused as to how there was a conflict whatsoever. I'm like, you guys <laughs> just, are basically saying the same thing. I don't think we're going to be having the conversation at the end of Endgame where we're like, oh, like the Peter Parker we knew and loved. He's dead. He's like, no. I think the way the audience is going to process it is this character exists, but in another world now. So they're going to go into different dimensions and pull the characters that survived. Like it's like the multiverse theory. Yeah, you know? and that's what I think. That I, but I think they're not going to pull them. They're all going to be there. I think right. they're going to go through that. And I think that Cap, Iron Man, and Thor have to sacrifice themselves in some manner that the other people can survive and get through. And then when they do, you have a new slate of heroes that gives the opportunity to explore the new world of the Disney Plus shows. It gives you an opportunity to introduce new characters and long form. I know Kevin Feige just came out and said we wouldn't see anything for five years. But what if the X gene is active in this universe and not in the other one? I, I don't think we're going to get X Men in Endgame by any means. But I do think introducing a new universe allows for a lot more flexibility of what is acceptable in a new universe. Right. So I think I don't know, but it's a very you d- you do see how complicated oh, this conversation so complicated. got, and it's supposed to be able to be accessible to like millions Three and millions hours and of four people. Minutes. It's a real long movie. All right, we're gonna have to wait and see what happens. And you know what we're gonna do as we make our way to Endgame? We're gonna keep certain words silent on our Twitter accounts yeah, and avoid mine. as much as we can before we even dig into this spoiler. You know, not spoiler heavy, but we're gonna address the spoilers and the prevalence of them right now. But before we get to that, I have to remind you, we're taking your live Twitter questions at the end of the show. (laughs) Hashtag Collider Movie Talk. All right, let's get into the meat of this episode now. So as you might have heard, apparently earlier today, Avengers Endgame footage did leak online. We are not telling you that because we want to talk about it right now. We are going to do the exact opposite, and we're putting it out there so you are aware. Stay vigilant. Use mute words on your social media account. Whatever you have to do to avoid these spoilers. Do you think Things like, hey, turning off the live chat, we are not going to expose you to them, and we want you all to be aware. So on top of that, as they did with um, Avengers Infinity War, the Russo brothers took to their Twitter account, and they released a letter online, and of course that letter just tried to encourage fans to not spoil the movie for people who haven't gotten to see it as early as you do next weekend. So with all that in mind, I thought we would dig into a little conversation about just like spoiler culture right now, specifically because you brought up the term (laughs) earlier, Jack. The mystery box. Whether it's J.J. Abrams or you apply it to any film franchise right now, it feels like we're in a time where we're just obsessed with spoilers. We're obsessed with this mystery box mentality, and that that has then led to this obsession with exposing information. Do you see it that way? Do they go hand in hand? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. It, with with trailers, they give away a lot as well, you know. And so I've been avoiding all the Marvel trailers lately. And even though it's the most, I do trailer reactions. Mm-hmm. And so Marvel trailers are the most lucrative trailers to do. I've done none lately. <laughs> because I don't want anything to be spoiled, and I think it requires just self-imposed restraint. You don't go on Twitter, don't go on Instagram, don't go on Facebook, don't go on any of these things. You know, And I think you're right in that these mystery boxes do kind of encourage that behavior, but like, it, it just makes you crave it. You're like, what? what, do, what? You, know, you ever have a friend talk to you and go, oh, never mind. 
That, yes, that little of never course. mind makes you crazy. You're like, I gotta know. And it's so frustrating because I think that's like such a beautiful creative storytelling opportunity. The way that they've been able to build up hype, this need, like this really intense need to know, because it's also that need to know that brings us all together. I mean, think about the large majority of the conversations we have on this set. How excited we get bouncing ideas off of one another. So that's the good side of it. The bad side is I think it ups the risk that we're seeing with people getting hold of material that shouldn't be out there right now and leaking it online and i i don't necessarily see that scenario getting much better i think that if you want to be on the side of being in a spoiler-free world you're just going to have to take it upon yourself one to put up certain safeguards for your own mind but also two to just behave as a fan and to respect the fact that not everybody out there has seen a movie as quickly as you have and try to make change that way but there are certain uncontrollable factors here stay out of the comments Always stay out of the comments. So hard. Just in, in life, just in general. Yeah. Uh, what I would do is any screening that was before it was released. If there's a if there's a press screening, if there's a I don't know what screening this apparently got leaked from, but if there's any sort of screening before it comes out, I would love if they just instead of having the people in the front turn around with their goggles, if they just mount two sets of freaking uh, infrared that film the audience like they used to do for the audience reactions. Have that going. In addition, check phones at the door like in concerts. A lot of concerts Ooh. they check your fucking thing now. I don't need my I don't need to be correspondent during the movie. If I'm in a screen, I don't need this. This should be away, locked up. I'm addicted to my phone, but I don't want that leaking. And have press, if, and I'm one of them, have them register their seat like you're going to AMC in advance. I want that seat registered to me. That way, if there's footage from that area, you check the phones of those five people. Like, I, I think lock everything down as much as possible. D- Disney used to do that, where they would take your phone and they'd check it before you yeah. go into the oh, theater. Oh, they still do uh, it. They still do. do it. So, I'm just trying to think this through practically right Three now. For, first off, I don't think that this leaked footage came from any sort of press screening okay. or other type of industry screening. I think it came from in-house, and it was a major breach there. Jeez. But when it comes to just, you know, trying to figure out practical ways to stop spoilers from getting out there, I think there should be some sort of and I'm not the one to design tech like this, but there has to be something that they could put up in movie theaters that just kind of kills reception. Mm. Or that might kill makes, people also. Well, <laughs> and then if there's an emergency like 911 or something. That's, yeah. I mean, see, th- that's part of the problem, though. It's like I think about that, and initially, like even without tech, I'm like, oh well. Even if they, let's say, they implement the thing that Marvel does at certain press screenings, where you put yours in your in the little lock bag and you can't access it. Would that maybe deter people from going to the movies at all, especially for a three-hour movie where they don't have access to a phone, and God forbid there's a family emergency, you can't get to it. I, I can't think of a realistic solution to all of this, and it upsets me. Well, it's just like you have your air marshal on planes. That's, you have, you, that's, you've got someone you know. with a phone up front, and like they're watching over if anything happens. Yeah. Like. I mean, every time I've done a universal screening anywhere, there's always a guy, a big guy, who's like, mm-hmm. don't have your phone out. You know, just walking around, making sure, looking. That's like, sorry, good. No, I was just going to say, I think the footage came from a press-related event. They, like, they showed 20 minutes to a certain exclusive press members, and then someone from there leaked it or something weird like that. So I, I don't exactly. I would be know. very surprised if they, they leaked, if they showed something like that to the press that had heavy spoilers. Like, super heavy, game-changing spoilers. Yeah, but I don't this know. movie. I, did, I, I mean, to be completely honest, I didn't really look into it all that much because I don't 
care. I don't it shouldn't know be there anyway. And the only reason we're bringing it up right now is because we want to give you guys some ideas to just kind of stay on your toes and avoid spoilers yourself. I was reading this article on Fortune.com, and some of this might sound obvious to some of you guys, but it's worth putting it out there. You do have the option to download this add-on if you have Chrome or Firefox. It's called Spoiler Protection 2.0, and that lets you selectively block certain phrases. You could use that. Of course, there is the muted word feature on Twitter. On top of that, we have the issue of Reddit, which has far fewer controls, but that's where you can kind of take matters into your own hand and just avoid threads like, let's say, the Marvel Studios spoilers threads. Just don't go there. What's that? I know, really. Don't go there. And also, yeah, we're, you should probably do what we're doing right here. Encourage people to behave. We have these nice things for a reason. Don't ruin it. Can you imagine spending 11 years on a property that ends with something, hundreds of millions of dollars in that last film, all of the secrecy, and then this leaks? Like, it's just despicable. It's gross, because this, is, this isn't just a movie to the people that work on the movie. This is their life. This is their livelihood. This is, like, everything that they put years into. And your as a fan appreciating it so the people that leak it are just there's nothing but badness there there's no positive there's no silver lining you're just a douchebag well here's a question for you let's say you saw the leaked footage by accident are you now no longer going to watch the movie it depends on the person I mean I'm not gonna yeah. I- I'm seeing it no matter what and I've avoided that yeah. exactly like but, for me I'm gonna watch it no matter what right. I'm gonna go out and see the movie and still give them my you know 15 but all the poor people like in live chat like those poor people I don't know like yeah, what that's was the problem. That's, the, that's the problem is anyone knowing means they can be that person and, right. and it's like the there's and if you're unaware let's say there's no filter on Twitter then if you're not aware that this happened and you're busy scrolling through your feed and all of a sudden something pops up and you're like well now I know that that's that is a major problem. I really don't think this footage leak is going to affect the film's box office whatsoever. It just isn't fair and it isn't right, and I hate that this is happening. It's like having a flu in an airplane. Like as soon as that gets out, it's just everywhere. Yeah. And that's not fair. Oh my, you know that's the mean? most like, there's miserable no comparison I can there's imagine. Just, you know that person's sniffling. You're just sitting there like that. Better not. Okay, I'm going to be sick tomorrow. You know it. Oh. So I don't want that like spread around my social media. Do you remember the uh, soundtrack for episode one when it said Qui Gon's funeral? <laughs> yes. Oh, I do remember that. I also just do wonder because I can't understand anyone getting any satisfaction out of getting like have either of you ever like purely on accident spoiled something in a movie for someone else because I have done it before I am a human being hopefully not on this channel but in my real life and I will tell you I I feel awful after (laughs) awful I feel like I feel like a terrible human being because I have ruined something that I got to enjoy for someone else so I just don't understand the satisfaction anyone gets out of this you and I have shot non-spoiler reviews before and worried about something that was a phrase and we were like just in case and we reshot the entire thing because of a sentence we said a sentence that wasn't a spoiler but because someone could imply something that might imply something else that could land in a spoiler we reshot a 25 minute thing out of the safety and protection of a light maybe spoiler that wasn't even because that's how much we don't want to ruin things. what is the statute of limitations on spoilers for you guys three weeks three weeks, three um, weeks. it's impossible but that's the dream okay i mean are we are we talking about like in a one-on-one conversation all right if i just reduce it to twitter mm-hmm. i would say something something like I, I would probably go even beyond that because i know there's people out there for for one reason or another whether something's going on in their life or whatnot there's a reason that they might not be able to see that movie for a while it's like for weeks after when or actually this is a good example when i walk out of the movie let's say and i tweet my reaction and mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of replies to me asking well would you think about this 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 if anything has anything to do with a spoiler i won't 
reply at all for a very, very long time. Like, I don't think I would feel comfortable posting an Endgame spoiler for probably another month. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm thinking three weeks without the caveat, and then I will probably do a non-spoiler for two weeks, and then on the third week, with all the warnings ever, with wavy hands, with buttons, with graphics, then I would, you know what I mean? Like, you can't possibly <laughs> well, not know. That's, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, in reality, Thursday night, when Avengers Endgame is available in theaters, mm-hmm. there will be a Collider spoiler review. Sure. The thing is, Click. it will be branded spoiler. <laughs> all over the place and that puts the choice in everybody out there your hands to click or not to click what we're talking about right now is taking that option away from somebody blindsiding them with a spoiler Mm -hmm. that's the problem for me it's 10 years (laughs) The MCU has been going on for a decade Some people haven't had a chance to catch up yet If only everybody followed your rules, Jabby Maybe the world would be a safer place from spoilers crazy movie Sixth Sense Bruce Willis is actually (laughs) No, no I mean, it's it's fine We joke about that all the time Decades later is a different story Have at it All right, we've got one more story to hit And this is an interesting one It is also, I mean, semi in the Avengers world Because it involves Robert Downey Jr., if you didn't know, he's making a Dr. Doolittle movie, and the movie had already been pushed nine months off of its release date, and now we kind of know why, because apparently what happens is Universal uh, reps and the producers saw an early cut of the movie, and they decided to bring in not only Chris McKay, but Jonathan Liebesman to help director Stephen Gagan on the movie, because I guess they weren't happy with the quality of the cut. So just in case you're not aware of what this movie is, it's called The Voyage of Dr. Doolittle, and it finds Robert Downey Jr. playing a live-action Dr. Doolittle, and he can speak to CG animals. This movie has a crazy, crazy cast. Tom Holland, Rami Malek, John Cena, Kumail Nanjiani, Selena Gomez, Emma Thompson, um, Octavia Spencer, Craig Robinson, the list goes on and on. This is a huge, huge cast, and a huge cast warrants a big budget. Apparently, this movie was budgeted at $175 million before marketing and distribution and what happened now is that there's reshoots. Not normal reshoots, though. According to THR, McKay first came in to assess the cut and come up with new ideas, as well as oversee the writing of new material. The studio did want him to do the reshoots, and he wasn't able to, so that's when he suggested that they bring in Liebesman. So now we have two people on board, in addition to the original director, who is still in play here. And this is basically not just being described as, oh, reshoots that were originally worked into our budget. We're talking about an extensive amount of reshoots. I think it amounts to 21 additional days of photography. That is a lot. That is a lot. We downplay reshoots all the time here because it's par for the course on big budget movies. Not like this. Jabby, based on that description, do you have any faith that they will pull it together on this movie? Yeah, I don't think it's always good money being thrown after bad. And anytime it's extensive like this. But I honestly don't think that it even matters. It's a kid's movie at the end of the day. They're going to watch it and enjoy it no matter what. Um, I have a little bit of concern that it won't do as well because Dumbo didn't do great. It mm-hmm. came in under expectations from Disney. But the original Dr. Doolittle grossed $300 million in 1998, which translates to about $470 million today. Damn. So they could make their money back if any of those people from 1998 care. <laughs> I mean, it's a strong franchise, I guess, in that sense. I wasn't, it's like, it's nowhere in my mind as, oh, yeah, that should be remade. But lots of people love animals, and Dumbo was just an elephant. So maybe, <laughs> maybe if it's multiple animals, it's got a higher chance of getting kids' butts in the seats. Well, these animals talk. 
Well, yeah, it's, it's even more interesting because, like, remember when you were a kid and you wanted to talk to your animal, and how cool would it be if they talked back to you? I think this cast plus the the actual IP is great. Like, I love the Doctor Little franchise. I love the idea of talking animals, and the Downey Jr. talking animals with that cast is is all for it. I'm actually wondering how that didn't work. What like all those pieces? You just tell me all that cast plus Doctor Doolittle plus Downey Jr. talking to animals, and I'm like, okay, I'm in. And like, what level of not working could cause reshoots for 21 days? Like, 21 days is a an indie film's entire production schedule. Like, a small film can shoot its entirety in 21 days. I'm wondering how bad something with all those amazing ingredients could be. Like, th- how do you mess up marshmallow, graham cracker, and chocolate? I it's think it has something to do with the director. And you know, when we're talking about uh, Stephen Gagan, he did win an Oscar for. For uh, his work on uh, the traffic script, but if you look at his directing resume, he doesn't have any experience with this type of material. This, I mean, this tone working with uh, so many heavy CG elements. I mean, that's probably why they brought in Levisman because you know whether you like his movies or not, I did think he found some success with that first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. He knows his way around a set like that, and McKay always seems like solid support. So I understand why they brought him in. I just don't understand why they hired Gagan from the start and why they gave it a budget of $175 million. That was Dumbo's budget. $175 million. I don't understand that either, except for the fact that it's Disney and they seem to have endlessly deep pockets. But well, the, what was the, the Disney Plus app's only $7 because they don't need like, it. Like, what was the budget <laughs> on uh, Shazam? Uh, 95 I heard, before advertising. Compare, okay, compare that to 175 on Dr. Freakin' Doolittle. But I, I think you're dealing, with a lot more, you're dealing with a lot more elements when you're doing all these CGI animals. Of course, you're, de- you're definitely dealing with more elements, but it's just sometimes I think that when you're budgeting a movie, because $175 million isn't a crazy, crazy amount of money, you could do a lot with a little. Sometimes you have to box yourself in and you have to give yourself that pressure because then that also has the opportunity to maybe like spark creative ideas that you didn't have before because you were under the pressure to do something for a minimal amount. Right. It was low budget. Robert Downey Jr.'s paycheck was $170 million for this picture. So the $5 million right. they had left for all the other animals. <laughs> what, it's interesting to me is I'm already on board. Like what sells me is the fact that you told me that cast. I remember hearing Dr. Little Downey Jr. and I was already in. Yeah. So I'm just curious how something with those, like how that can go to, to, to fall apart like this and like how did tra- like I didn't know traffic like that just came together in my head like <laughs> you know when I think traffic I think charming animals and Downey Jr. like what is that? Right. So I, I hope it's good because I now am excited what's, for this movie. What's like, his name who made Mad Max also made Babe? George Miller and George Happy Feet. Happy, or, uh, and Happy yeah, Feet. Yeah yeah. So but I didn't mean, he do Babe? I don't know. He did, I know he did like, Happy Feet. He did three Babe movies. All I could think of right now is we have the guy who directed Syriana and gold going on to direct a Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> it's just so many questions, and that's not always a bad thing. Like, there are directors that take that leap and do something, mm-hmm. you know, that's completely out of the wheelhouse, and we get great surprises. Like, Happy Feet is great, and I love Mad Max Fury Road. Those are, like, that's a perfect example. But I also don't know if I want to see David Fincher tell me the story of Charlotte's Web. Like, that I would don't, be amazing. Like, that'd be metal as hell. Like, I was gonna say, I'm really I like that. Like, the gritty noir telling. Uh, now I actually want to see that. I take yeah. Back. Yeah. But, like, Dr. Doolittle, these ingredients, I want it to be good. I'm now really excited for this movie. I just hate that we're talking well, about it coming you know, from a place of redemption. We'll see what happens. It's hard not to be negative after a report like this. Again, it is a little bit of an extreme scenario, but all that matters is the finished product, because if the finished product is good, we're not going to be talking about these reshoots anymore. I have one question for Let's you guys, it. though. Um, all these voices that are being chosen for the cast, do you think that makes any impact on ticket sales? Like, Or for kids? Do they actually care that Tom Holland's one of the animals? 
I think that parents do, and I think that's the difference between a movie that appeals to a parents bringing their kids demographic and a people seeing a movie with parents bringing their kids demographic. I think it allows for like an extra third. Like I'll see a kids okay. movie if I care about the cast, and I might not necessarily if I don't. Like I miss some kids movies, but if I'm if I'm like a completist with an actor, I'll definitely see it. Okay. So for me, I think I'm that extra little like thirty percent that might jump on a kids movie that like I'm on that edge and it puts me over. Oh, okay. Me. You could also factor in an individual's outreach, and when you put together a big ensemble like that, oh, odds right. are they're going to talk about it. Some of them will be on the press circuit for this specific mm-hmm. movie, and it will get out to more eyes out there, depending on each individual's fan base. So I do think it definitely helps. We got to move on because we're close to the end of the show right now. And whoa, we have plugs right now. Collider Live is bright and early tomorrow morning. Then, of course, as always, Movie Talk is at 4 p.m. PT live. And then Koi's got a little show called Heroes coming your way. What's going down? Tomorrow, we'll be talking about all the Disney Plus stuff, obviously, mainly the Marvel side, but we'll definitely talk about Jeff Goldblum getting a show, because that is just fantastic. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum talking at just should be a thing that happens in everyone's lives. Uh, I'm very excited about the Disney Plus stuff, so we'll dive into that a little bit more. We finally get to a bunch of Twitter questions from you guys. have been sending them for weeks. I've been storing them up, so we go on a Twitter barrage and uh, basically talk about this insane week in comic books. So, Collider Heroes tomorrow is chock full of comic goodness. And there's another show. There is another show. A very important, well-done show that you should be plugging right now. I am so proud of comic book shopping. Uh, comic book shopping episode two dropped this morning. We had David Harbour, yes, Hellboy himself, Hopper from Stranger Things, and The Newsroom, which I love very dearly. Uh, David Har- Harbour is an incredible actor, and he is so interesting because he's got this like this energy, but it's very subdued. So walking around a comic store with him, you're like always wondering what's going to happen. Uh, and he loves comic books. It was a really good conversation talking comics, and we talked Black Widow a little bit. He was just cast, and we were one of the first to talk to him after that cast. No spoilers, obviously, because I don't want Marvel to hate either of us, but it was really cool to talk to someone just added to the Marvel Universe, and uh, it's been a really cool... I said it last time I was here. Comic Book Shopping was my favorite show on Collider, so it is an absolute honor, uh, and we do it in honor of John every episode, and I miss Schnepp so much, but every time I'm at this desk or in a comic store, I'm thinking of him, so we try to do that justice. I will echo that. All right, we have to close this out, so I'm just gonna... I, like, I didn't pre-pick one now. I'm just, like, going down the list. <laughs> I'm gonna grab whatever comes to my eye first, and it's from Dale White, who asks oh thank god it's an easy one what is your favorite movie for the first quarter of this year easy yeah yeah i'm surprised you don't have like an extensive list with everything ranked knowing you i'm finding that list what are you talking about do you know i know it always mess me up i know it off the top of my head for me at least my favorite movie of the year so far is us just because i think i think the quality of the movie itself as i watched it was very very impressive but it's just that added level of excitement i get from the non-stop conversation and just my eagerness to keep talking about it with other people and the excitement i get out of thinking about my own theories but also hearing somebody else's take on it i think that was a very special conversation starter and that's part of the reason why it's my favorite movie of 2019 so far i've got three that are tied for first okay how to train your dragon three was game changer that movie ended a perfect trilogy and it did it well it had so much freaking heart shazam was just everything shazam is some magic and then the sleeper hit the one that surprised me most because i'm not a wrestling fan was fighting with my family oh wow uh, fighting with my family made my top so far so fighting with my family how to change your dragon and shazam three very different movies are my top three of the year shazam is my number two right now yeah oh it's just it's, it's everything yeah, I it's know. horror it's action it's comedy <laughs> it's family it's heart like it's just so good i can't wait to see it again i've seen it four times and i don't does mean, not surprise yeah, me just i feel more. i feel like i'm lacking that i'm only a two viewing <laughs> 
I can't tell you my favorite movie from this year. I'm looking at the list from IMDb of like everything that's come out this year. I don't have one. Uh, I can tell we gotta you my find favorite, you one. I can, I can tell you my favorite trailer so far is John okay. Wick 3. Oh, God. Solid choice. Solid yeah. choice. I'll, get, I'll let you get out of the movie pick because you picked a solid trailer there. Yeah, I'm just like thinking about it. I'm like, what the heck have I watched this year that I've just loved and can't get enough of? Um, Us is surprising to me. Like the, To me, that was a divided... Yeah. It's very divided how people feel about mm-hmm. that. No, yeah. I, I walked out a little frustrated. I was like, oh. I can understand that. It, I mean, it's a challenging movie, and I think it was designed to be that way, and I can understand why some were into it and some were not into it. If I have to pick one, though, I think it is Shazam right now. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Like, I didn't love the movie because I feel like the trailers give away too much, and so it, it hurt my experience. I did watch it a second time at a different screening. I'm like, oh, this is actually really cool, <laughs> Like, because the audience was super into it, and I, I got a lot of enjoyment out of it the second time, seeing it with a fresh audience. The first audience didn't like it for some reason, but uh, this year's also very second loaded, like second quarter. Like this summer yeah. is insane. Like John Wick is a perfect example. I walked across the street and there was a giant John Wick. Bed. I was like, oh, right, we I get that too. That. Like <laughs> my heart was like, it literally was like a caffeine injection. I was like, oh, that's right just, after Endgame. Just wait until Endgame because it's it's pretty much nonstop. And now it's like summer bleeds into the very beginning of September too because that's when we get it chapter two. And oh my God, I can't handle and it And then all. we get Star Wars in December. And in the middle, there's a bunch of great Oscar films. Yeah. This year is Absolutely insane. Hacked. And the upside was also slept on the upside. And then good. on top of that, we're only talking about theatrical releases right, right now. Think about all the great streaming movies we're going to get. And you know where we're going to talk about them? Right here on Collider Movie Talk. Guys, thank wait, you so much. Wait, oh, no. wait, wait, Has wait. it happened? I do, have one. I do have one, but I'm it's, so it's one that you guys haven't heard of. I have a, I have an Indian channel. Oh, yeah. As you, you don't know. She knows that. <laughs> I do. Yeah. But Goldie Boy is an Indian film, and that's my favorite from this year. Goldie it's Boy? Goldie Boy. Go- it's okay. about a guy growing up right, in India, okay. like in a slum area and he becomes a hip hop artist. It's sort of like eight mile, but so much more and so much deeper. And it's, it's a great movie. Did you see blind spotting? No, that was my favorite movie of 2018. Not starring Spider-Man blind spotting is about Oakland and it's a love letter to Oakland while being basically a musical, but instead of breaking into sonnets and and like song, like in Disney, they break into hip hop and they use hip hop to get through duress Mm -hmm. and it's David Diggs and Raphael Cassell. And it is, Easily my favorite indie of the last five years. It is perfect, so okay. I will check out and I recommend yeah. Bloods by. There's nothing I Indian, love more not, than. Hold on, Indian, not indie. Indian. Yeah, no, I'm mine's okay, indie. Okay, just make <laughs> it so. <we're, laughs> mine's yeah. indie. All right, <laughs> but, go, but check out Goldie Good Boy. Good thing to clarify yeah. right there. <laughs> I think it's a great way to wrap yeah. up the show with two really solid recommendations right there. So I got it queued up here. I'm okay, gonna check cool. it out. I'm gonna check it out. All right. I got to thank you guys for being on this table. Koi, as always, we can't wait to see you again soon. Jabby, thank you so much for coming out today. Another big thank you to Adam in the booth back there. Guys, thank you for watching this episode of Collider Movie Talk. Please like and share it on the YouTube channel. Also, check us out in podcast form as well. And guess what? We're going to be back here tomorrow, 4 p.m. PT Live, for a brand new episode. I have pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, figgins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Oh,
Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba.